from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Reset shotgun from inside the five at the four and a half. Takes the snap. Looking. He's got Cooper left corner. Caught it. Touchdown. Reset underneath center. On second down. Jacoby waits and takes and gives it. Chubb darts left. He's through to the five and going in. Touchdown. Nick Chubb. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Tuesday. Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is the company. Ari's here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Much to get to today. Busy, busy trade deadline day around the National Football League. We'll find out if the Raiders did anything to add or add for the future. VGK game coming up in just a little bit. East Coast trip. Long East Coast trip. So we'll get into that. A ton of good guests in the middle of the show with a Football Insider and Gambling Insider on the way, let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. So Monday night football last night was basically a microcosm of the entire season. Like I don't know what I'm watching anymore. <laughs> the Bengals look terrible, defending Super Bowl runner-up. That's even a term, whatever. Defending AFC champion, they look terrible. Cleveland supposed to suck without Deshaun Watson, just trying to survive. Not only did they survive, they whooped ass. Thrived. Killed him. It was a one-sided game. And and anytime since he crept a little closer, Cleveland's like, all right, let's just go down and score, get some more points, run a lot of clock. That was easy. Yeah. I mean, and look, I, I uh, only got to watch the first half because I was sitting in an airport. I boarded the plane at halftime, but... Uh, well, you didn't miss much in the second I half. Oh, I know. I, I watched. I watched the highlights back last night. Did you wish you could get a second half bet in? Still not legal in Louisiana, is it? Yeah, there's a. Oh, is it up? I assume so. There is a giant sports book at the casino. Oh, good. Uh, just off, uh, just off of Bourbon Street, like Bourbon Canal is the main. I haven't been there uh, in like the thirteen corner. months. I knew, I knew it was coming, but I, I, I thought the rules were a little hokey too with uh, certain locations. Like it was a very slow rollout. It's, so they it, got it, they got it into Orleans proper. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of trying to figure things out, but there is a massive sports book uh, at that Harrah's there, uh, uh, right, right by Bourbon Street. Right there, so yeah. uh, walked in, checked it out. It was a really cool property uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's legal. I didn't start to count anything. Uh, but yeah, it was well. My rooting interest, fortunately for the Bengals, Bengals being terrible yesterday, uh, I had a fantasy league where I had a one point two point lead, and he, the other uh, the other guy had McLaughlin. It was actually uh, <laughs> Todd Dewey from the, from the Review Journal, and I just assumed he was going to get his two points. Missed a field goal, missed an extra point, only got one extra point in the second half. So uh, I'll take it. Uh, but it was that's how bad it was that the kicker couldn't even get two points out of it. He did miss uh, as well, but. Uh, bad performance. It looked like they were certainly missing Jamar Chase, and I think a lot of times we don't take into account how important a player like that is, not in terms of what he does with his production, but takes so much attention away from everybody else yeah. for them to thrive. And you're like, hey, T. Higgins is great. They're fine. Tyler Boyd's great. They're fine. Yeah, but if the if the coverage doesn't have to focus on Jamar Chase, then it can focus on them, and it becomes much more difficult, and Burrow struggled, the line struggled, Cleveland dominated, and uh, that's the result. And I, I think it's, you know, back to the drawing board for, for Cincinnati, but certainly some concerns about what they're going to look like without, without Jamar Chase in the lineup for a team that was looking like they were getting ready to peak yep, and to play really well again. Coming around. Yeah. 
Nope, not in the AFC. It's wild. Nothing is what it appears to be unless you're the uh, <laughs> Bills or the Chiefs because even the Ravens have been com- you know, incredibly inconsistent. Browns go out, win the game, win it easy. They move to three and five. Now you start doing the numbers. You're like, all right, you get a couple more wins. You get to week 11. Maybe you're five and six, and the Sean Watson is coming back. Now here's a question for you because this is the other thing. I don't know what I'm watching anymore. Right? You love PFF. Sure. PFF quarterback rankings right now. Jacoby Brissett is the number eight quarterback in the league. This ain't three games in. We're eight games in. The top ten. Listen to this. Like, what? Where are all the $42 million quarterbacks? All right, up top, Josh Allen. He's one. Mahomes is four. Aaron Rodgers is seven. This is hilarious, too. Rodgers sucks. Seventh. Tom Brady's 12th, Lamar Jackson 11. The other guys in the top 10? Geno Smith, two, Tua, Jalen Hurts, Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, and I left out uh, Joe Burrow as an elite quarterback. P.J. Walker, in, sh- in a short amount of time, is the number nine PFF quarterback. Derek Carr, we've been talking about it for weeks now, residing in the mid-20s, not moving up. He's 25th. This league is insane. Right now, Andy Dalton is playing ahead of ninety percent. Jameis Winston could Winston play right now? Well, he's he's active as a backup. Okay, but he probably could play soon. But why would you make the switch? Yeah, they're 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 succeeding right now. It's craziness. The whole league is nuts. The the one issue that Dalton has had, which is an issue that Jameis has had in the past as well, is turnovers, and that didn't happen Sunday. So I mean, for right now, if Dalton's going to play at this level and. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that Dalton does in terms of, and you know I'm a Jameis person, Yep. But one of the things that Dalton does is he checks down. And that is a negative. A lot of people think that's a negative. Not, not on that team. Not always. Not, not when you have team. Alvin Kamara. <laughs> no. And Jameis wants to throw you know, 50 yards downfield every play. Yep. And I'm kind of with that at times. When you face teams that can't cover a running back out of the backfield, check down a lot. Well, and have a lot of design plays for the running back. Well, that and your top two receivers are out. Yeah. So you can't just go out and chuck it when you don't have receivers. Yep. You do have Alvin Kamara. And so that 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 works for them right now. By the way, so, is Michael Thomas, you were just down there. I'm sure you asked some questions. Is Michael Thomas out forever? I, like I he's got to play. Dalton's playing. I told Mike, you, con- you got to come back. <laughs> I told you the conspiracy theory. Uh, you told me. Say it to the audience again. Uh, there is a, some weird conspiracy theories out there that uh, Michael Thomas just won't play unless Jameis plays. Well, he's, so he's, every, not play. he's not going to play anytime soon. So every week you hear... Well, Michael Thomas is close, and then he doesn't play Sunday. Nope. <laughs> what, what is happening? And he did not get moved today, right? No. There was a flurry of moves today. Raiders, I think, were quiet. We'll get that update here in a couple of minutes. Right now, they're in uh, Florida, correct? Yes. They have stayed around, traveling to New Orleans, choosing not to go back cross-country, although I never really looked at the New Orleans trip or the Florida trip, northern Florida. Is that taxing? But uh, they have jacks up next, so they decided to stay in the southeast. Stay acclimated to the time zone. Sure. Humidity. Sure. That too. Got to play outside. By the way, New Orleans is central. Jacks is eastern, right? Yeah, but it's... Doesn't matter. It's close. It's, it's close. It's right, close. On, it's right, on the, right on the cutoff. It's a short, it's a short flight. Sure. Right, right, down night, the ten, right down the tent. If the flight failed, you just take a bus. Last night, it felt like we flew all the way across country. So I'm just going to say it was cross country. <laughs> Did you have a stopover? No, it was it was direct. It was easy, though. I will say uh, my colleague, uh, Sam Gordon, had a flight at the exact same time as me and uh, on a different airline, and his was delayed. He took off at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> really? So that was rough. All right. 
But I made it direct, made it, but it just it just seems long. When you're sitting on the plane watching Dahmer, you're like, oh, seems like a long flight. We had a Dahmer come over uh, or come to the front door last night for Halloween. Th- I never I mean, looked because I was kind of lurking in the background. The SO like said it repeatedly. She's like, that's not a great costume. <laughs> I don't know how old the kid was. Because I heard the kids like, yeah, I'm Jeffrey Dahmer. And SO was like, yeah, not good. We got approval on every other costume that walked up to the house. That one, not good. I saw a lot of costumes this week. Uh, well, walk, walking Bourbon Street every that's night. The, that's the, you know, let's, I want to save that for later. We got a, we got a little time a little later. Okay. Um, so, all right. So time zone, right? Want to stay that way. And they can't be afraid to come home, right? Like, not, af- not afraid is not the right word. But, like, sometimes, hey, just being on the road. Maybe it's easier to clear the head. Well, let, let's. Because just, this is not a rough market. It's, and I'm, I'm sure the organization's not looking at like, hey, the guys have been too comfortable over in Henderson. Let's get them on the road. They got to rough it a little bit. Well, I'll also tell you for the fans that are thinking about that, this was not planned like Sunday. They didn't say after the game, like, let's go to Florida. Of course. Uh, this was, I believe, in March when the schedule came out, May. Right. Schedule came out in May. They basically announced this the day that the schedule came out. Kind of Belichickian. And it, yeah. And, and so, what, as soon as Belichick it, likes to do, as soon as the schedule came out, they said, "All right, we're going to stay in Florida." Uh, they didn't announce where, but you know, a couple of days later, they said they found a place. So, yeah, staying in Florida, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I, you know, talking to some players after the game, if you're, you know, if it's a good time to do it or not. Uh, the response was, "I hope so," or "It better be." <laughs> that was basically what you got from them. Why did you come back? I don't mean it like that. Well, you know my feelings on Jacksonville. I'm not going. You hate Jacks. I hate it. Nah. It's awful. It's pretty quiet. And you've been there. You've been there for, you were there for Super Bowl, but especially UFC. Yeah. It stinks. Florida's a hotbed right now. What a fun state to be in. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's terrible in Center of the action, baby. It's, the whole state is terrible. It stinks. Riverboat Ron against uh, Grandpa, what's his name? Chris. Yeah. He was, as uh, I saw DeSantis last week, it was age shaming Chris <laughs> in a state with lots of old people. Yeah. They don't care. But not only that, the traffic, the humidity. The weather, the alligators, like traffic just in Jacksonville. To, really, the whole state. It can be trafficy. I was talking to some people today that were making the drive from uh, Tampa to Sarasota. Like this sucks. Yeah, really it sucks. Hmm. Okay, so you're not there. All right, <laughs> thank God. Uh, Dave Ziegler sitting on a beach, or what was going on today with the phone? So working, turned it off, silent. No trades? We're going to do anything? Probably, Any moves? Probably Florida. The, the awful air, just the, everything doesn't work. It's terrible. So nothing happened today. He probably had a, if he's in Florida, he probably had a jitterbug. So all this action. <laughs> you remember the jitterbug, those Jitterbug, yes, I do remember <laughs> the, the phone jitterbug. Had three buttons? Like, sure. call your loved one, call the, call yeah, the ambulance? Just mashed the phone. <laughs> Hopefully he hit the right, one of the right three buttons. So nothing today. No. Nothing. No. Major moves all over the place. Big name players, second round picks flying left and right. First round picks. Well, nothing. Raiders didn't add, didn't build for the future. I'm, I'm interested in, in finding what you think. I'd, I'd like to, I mean, I know people were kind of upset. I saw they like, go, oh, they didn't get anybody out of here. I said, well, they're two and five. Are they going to sell the future to try well, to? Well, I would expect maybe a little bit of tinkering. Like, you know, I pointed out William Jackson, the third got traded. That was a guy who was rumored a couple weeks ago from DC. So, Maybe that could have been a move, but uh, no, I expected I expected something the other way. But the problem is the most marketable player they have is not a defensive lineman they want to trade, right? We saw Brad Chubb go for a first round pick. 
it's Josh Jacobs. And you see what the price is on running backs. Huh? Christian McCaffrey is awesome. He's better than Jacobs. And he didn't get a first-round pick back. I mean, he got, what, two, three, four, five. Like, what are you going to get for Josh Jacobs? Is is getting a four or a three enough to move on Jacobs and not have him for, what, the final nine games, check that, ten games of the season? Do you think anyone called with a real offer? I, don't, I, I doubt it. Because and I think he's not under contract after this year. Yeah, that, that's the issue. So I mean, you, you, what are you, what are you going to you going to trade anything better than a? I mean, what it, uh, Jeff Wilson went for a five to the Dolphins today. We'll get into all the big deals, and uh, James Robinson went to the Jets. I think for a five or a six. Yeah, you probably could have got a, a three, maybe a two if you got if you got a desperate team. Would you trade for a two? Or would you trade a two? No, I, I couldn't even come up with teams yesterday that were. I think the Rams are. I think the Rams are in need of a running back, big time. So could you get a two from the Rams? I don't even know what twos they've left. It, Who else? Falcons? I mean, they have they're doing running back by committee. Yeah. And the Bucks, I mean, Fournette's fine. Rashad White is a decent backup. Like there's there's not really a gigantic desperate market that would have fetched you a two or even maybe a three for Josh Jacobs. Somehow maybe the Bills would have. I mean, they gave up something for Hines, so who knows what they would have given up for for Jacobs. Uh, but I mean, you're, you're right. It's a rental because he's not under contract. Yeah. So that has to play into it as well. Uh, I, I I imagine if they got a good offer for Abram, Furl, anybody like that, the other guys that are on the end of the end of their rookie deal, they would have done it. But I mean, come on, would they? No. I mean, do you see do you see what what kind of players are fetching? You know, fives and sixes. Furl and Abram are going to fetch anything. Furl's actually played well in his limited time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the issue. I, but I right. think I think we're so going to get to is, go back to the beginning of it. When I'm I'm saying, hey, they weren't active. They're a two and five team. How much tinkering will you do? How much are you going to give up? And the talent they have that you'd move on right now isn't that marketable. Yeah, I, no I think one's going to deal. No one's dealing for Chandler Jones right now. Not at that salary. No, I think all of those things played into it. I I, I don't. I think it it'd be it'd be incorrect to say that they didn't try to make changes at the deadline. That they didn't try to make moves. I think they did. I think they were listening to offers. I think they were asking around what the price of certain guys potentially might be, but they were in that weird place of you thought you were going to be buyers, you thought you'd have to add, try to make, you know find a piece here and there to try to fill in and make a move, and instead you find yourself two and five, and how much do you really want to give up in the future to try to cobble something together right now? Probably not much, and will anybody offer you anything for the assets that you do have? Probably not, so you just end up staying where you are. What's the message to the Bronco players that Chubb got traded? 26 years old. Solid player, fetched a first to the Dolphins. What are the rest of the Broncos thinking right now? Well, they'll try to sell it as, hey, we've got other guys that have really stepped up, and he became expendable. I don't think anybody's going to believe it. Uh, but I, I also think that they are in a position of, hey, look where we are right now. They, they did you know, they did look a little bit better this week, but look where we are right now, and we have given up a lot of picks for the future. We've got to try to recover some of those. And continue to build this roster around the guys that we have here. I, I'm sure that's what they're going to try to sell to them. But uh, I think the message is pretty clear that they don't think they're winning this year. Interesting day. Interesting last couple of days. McCaffrey on the move. Roquan Smith on the move. Miami makes a bunch of deals. The Bears make a weird one. Steelers were active today. We'll get into all the deals in just a little bit. But up next, NBA, as it's been a complete nightmare, especially off the court. On the court hasn't been very good either in Nets land. And now Steve Nash is gone. Why is he gone? 
Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. The day Steve Nash got the job, star players and Kyrie Irving, even at the time, if you recall, said, hey, well, any one of us can be the coach on any given day. And I actually mentioned Jacques Vaughn's name. And I knew right then this was a situation that Steve Nash was not going to be able to navigate. Because when you have your best players coming out with that little support for you when you're named a head coach, you've got a serious problem. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Tim Legler on uh, one of the big NBA notes of the day. The Nets get rid of Steve Nash, or did Steve Nash get rid of the Nets? I don't know what the true story is here. I think basketball is such a small part of the story, but Legler nailed it there. You know, the, the seed was planted by Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you know, basically saying, hey, do we need a coach? That would be, you know, on the list from Kyrie, uh, that would be what, in like the 90s, hundreds, 110s, if you're making a long list of the most off-the-wall stuff he's ever said? Because he's topped it a lot recently. So that's when the seed was planted. And then don't forget, Kevin Durant, like he's not guiltless in this whole thing. Kevin Durant said he wanted to be traded. He wasn't coming back this year unless the GM and the coach got fired. They came to some accord. They have blown coming out of the gates. Think about it. Steve Nash is gone. They actually won. They won yesterday. (laughs) Who gets fired off a win or walks off a win? I almost have a feeling that... I don't know. I want to see some reporting on this that Nash went to him and he's like, all right, we, we got to we gotta do something about Kyrie and what's going on here. And we'll get into that, like th- this lunacy. And if you're not going to do anything, I don't want to have to stand up in front of press conferences and go, yeah, the uh, anti-Semitic stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I didn't say it. <laughs> or I didn't retweet the movie. This is not my job. And I've had to keep doing this. I'm, I'm like angry Steve Nash. But you can imagine he's like, I don't need this. I don't need this. And and if he did get fired, then guess what? He get whatever money he's owed, he gets. So it's a win-win for him. And I think, like, I heard some people you know, analyzing basketball, the basketball end of it. You realize what the guy had to manage? Yeah. Kyrie Irving is an impossible guy to have on your team, on the floor. Last year was ridiculous. And, boy, I got a lot to say on this. So I'll let you go, and then we can get to it. Because it's, it's the stuff off the floor that is just pure lunacy. Well, and the first part with Durant. I mean, if you if you were going to move on from Nash, and if Nash wanted to move on, why not do it on the offseason? That's what I don't get. When I saw it this morning, sense. I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> but, they wanted him gone. Why? Why me? I mean, but in, in Nash, the case, less money that you have to pay out for seven. I don't know. Yeah, Nash doesn't need this. Why? Why deal with this? Why bother with this? And, but I think you are closer to uh, the truth to me with the Kyrie stuff because I learned I learned a big lesson. Uh, with one of our favorite people ever on the show, Bill Hancock. Yep. Who I who Bill Hancock is. Who, well, he was he was in charge of basically the PR for the BCS, and every year would have to tell lie after lie after lie after lie about the BCS, and I hated him. And I think you, you this I would, I would, this guy was like the, ba- the bane of my existence, and it drove us nuts. We're like, I cannot believe this guy is soulless enough to just fib. I notice I even sanitized the fib because yeah. now because we did get to talking, but to fib for all those years about how the system was working and it was good and no, we don't need a playoff. And then you, you, we spoke with him, but I also have friends that are friends with him yeah. that were like, "He's a really good dude, sweetheart. Like he's doing his job. Yeah. His job is to lie, yeah. 
That's what he's doing. Yep. And he has to stand up and do it. And it was a job for him. God. But he didn't like it. He didn't want to do it. He knew what it, he knew what the truth was. Man, he, I tell you what, he, he was great at disarming us, too. It was at a Mountain West Conference media day, like maybe like five years ago, football media day. And he disarmed us. And he just killed us with kindness. What a nice guy. Yeah. What a nice guy. Like, I've hated you for 15 years. But then, Why are you doing this to me? But, I, I, my head's all screwed up, yeah. Bill. The way I tie it in is... Like then you realize, okay, sometimes when people go up and say things on a podium into a microphone, they're just doing it because it's their job and they don't believe it and they don't buy it. When you are a coach of Kyrie Irving, you have to go up there and defend the indefensible. You have to go up there and basically, like, you don't have to double down on being anti-Semitic, but you can't also just throw him under the bus and say, hey, look, this is an awful dude. Like, yeah, he's saying all these awful things about a, you know, a a race of people, a religion of people. Like yeah, I'm behind this. This is my point card. Like th- that that's not a fun position to be in for a coach. And, and I think at some point, with Durant not wanting him around, with all the aggravations being caused, and now with having to defend Kyrie after, especially after Kyrie's performance what was a Friday night on that on that stage with going after a reporter. Like at some point, you just I don't need this. So whether they made the decision or or he made it for them. Like he doesn't need to be a part of that. He doesn't need to be going up on the stage night after night and defending this moron. Right. So why does he need to do it anymore? Get out. So I have a lot of mixed feelings on Kyrie Irving. Right. So the retweet the other day was concerning this movie that has anti-Semitic messages in it. And you'll hear as he argues with Nick Friedle, who by the way, is on the Nets beat, which is also very interesting. So he's a day-to-day guy. But what Kyrie does here is sort of what, like we're watching all these political ads right now. And politics is dirtier and more gross than it's ever been. Because we've got a bunch of politicians who there's no accountability. They won't answer questions. They redirect they shame you for asking questions or they shame the other candidate. When they're talking, asked about one topic, they switch it to another topic, the redirect. It's a, it's a constant like battle of debate skills and conversation skills. And Kyrie's actually pretty good at it. But the problem is, is his inconsistency in what he's talking about here with Nick Friedle. But watch what he does as he drags Friedle down the... It's almost like... Uh, I, I forget who tried to do it a few years ago. You almost do this this exercise where you're arguing with someone and you're just like, why? 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 You just keep saying why to every, every response. And then someone's like, and they just freak out. Listen to what he does here to Fredell, who's just banging his head against the wall. To follow up on the promotion of the movie and the book. Can you please stop calling it a promotion? What am I promoting? Put it out on your platform. But I'm promoting it? Do you see me doing, do you see By me in front of the, it out there, the people title? are going to say that you are Yeah, I put promoting. it out there just like you put things out there, right? Yeah, but I, okay. I, it's not You put stuff. things out there for a living, right? Right, but my Great. stuff is Great. not so let's move on. filled let's with move on. anti-Semitic Let's stuff. move on. Don't dehumanize me up here. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing I'm that. You're free being. to post I can what, post whatever I want, so say that what? and shut it down and move on to the next question. All right, so I put stuff out, same as you. No, no, that's not what you did, right? But... What we've seen on Twitter and social media is you'll see people say RT does not equal endorsement, right? And to his point, just because someone without a comment retweets something, 
It could be for any reason, right? It could be for any reason. But the thing is, Kyrie does this often, and there are other cases where he's promoting something. This is – see, I don't think anyone's played – Do you, remember, you know what the lead-in was? The lead-in part of the discussion was? No. Because Kyrie's like, will you stop saying promoting? Well, Nick Friedle says promoting on this comment, and Kyrie's got a full answer to separate himself from the issue at hand. But then a minute later, he's like, oh, no, retweet doesn't mean anything. But you recognize that it meant something in this case. Kyrie, while we're on the topic of promotion, why did you decide to promote something that Alex Jones said? That was a few weeks ago. I do not stand with Alex Jones. Answering. Position. Why is he answering? Yeah. Why? Why? No, 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 no. Why is he answering? Because he just told Nick Friedle in the next answer, promotion does not equal endorsement. I'm sorry. Retweet does not equal endorsement or promotion. So start with this one again. Apparently, this is from he's talking about Alex Alex Jones. It's something from way back, but he's got a he's got a well thought out answer here. Kyrie, while we're on the topic of promotion, why did you decide to promote something that Alex Jones said? That was a few weeks ago. I do not stand with Alex Jones' position, narrative, court case that he had with Sandy Hook, or any of the kids that felt like they had to relive trauma, or parents that had to relive trauma or to be dismissive to all the lives that were lost during that uh, tragic event. My, my post was a post from Alex Jones that he did in the early 90s or late 90s about secret societies in America of occults, and it's true. So I wasn't identifying with anything of being a, campaigning, a campaignist for Alex Jones or anything. I was just there to post. I mean, I suppose you can retweet stuff, and in one case, yes, I was promoting it, and in another case, I wasn't. Come on, dude. You just explained to him the difference between Alex Jones and stuff he's done recently that you do not associate yourself with him. And then you said it was from the early 90s. It was about cults. And it's true. So when people want to draw the connection between that retweet, well explained, and the one about the anti-Semitic movie, and you're like, that meant basically that that retweet meant nothing. And then you, you, the terminology, I mean, you have to admit, right, his skills there. He's dragging Fredell all over the place. What, the, I mean, don't dehumanize me. I'm, I will use that today in the 5 o'clock hour. Whatever argument we get into, you son of a bitch, don't dehumanize me. I'm actually, I'm actually humanizing you by saying, hey, what did you mean by this? Not, <laughs> not in the virtual world, in the real world. What did you mean by this? I'm giving your human form yeah. a chance to explain your online form. I'm humanizing you, not and, dehumanizing you. And then he, 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 said it all, he said all that he wanted to say. I can post whatever I want. Yes, you do believe that. He does also, believe that. But the thing you, is, you, the thing is, when you have that many followers, it it has an impact. And then I guess you could be, you could say, "Hey, that's not it's not my fault, man. I don't ha- I don't think for other people. You you know what you're doing. Like I, I heard Doug Gottlieb do a whole diatribe on this, and it was pretty strong in certain parts. But he started calling Kyrie an idiot, and he's not as smart as he thinks he is. No, he's smart. He knows what he's doing, and he's a master debater. And you see some of the skills that have been picked up, but that's that's this era now. There, there. In, in at times, there can be no real discussion. No one is really accountable. You just redirect. You point a finger back. You just talk about a different topic, or you just go right at the person and go, "How dare you? How dare you? What are you doing to me?" It, we are really in amazing times. And I'll. I also got to say, in a way, like what I have to watch this film. What I've read about the film is pretty disturbing. There are some disturbing messages, right? Again, throwing a blanket over one group of people 
is a damaging message and can lead to very intense repercussions. But I do have to say, we have a lot of wealthy people in this country who have FU money and they practice FU all the time. And Kyrie Irving is practicing FU. He's got FU money. Now, if he doesn't care about the repercussions, that's on him. But he's not dumb enough to believe that there's no impact. He retweeted it for a reason. Right, and he acknowledges understanding what Alex Jones is now, but why choose now then to amplify his work from the past? Like, what do you, why? And that he wouldn't explain that. He won't talk about that. You obviously are doing that now to defend Alex Jones now, knowing the current situation. But you won't address that because you know that you're wrong. You know that's what you did. So that you're trying to throw it off and do, do another way. So that's why I, I, I actually don't think – here the thing with these arguments mostly is whatever side you're on, you're going to support that side no matter what they say. Mm-hmm. Which is pathetic. Which is – it's how it's going to go. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so in this case, there's a lot of people that just want to defend him. And it, it reminds me of an argument that I'm in on Twitter right now with a lot of people, which is fine. Uh, but it's – if you are – if you're supporting one side, you're just going to support that side no matter what they say. And so what Kyrie actually says here is moronic. It's idiotic. He, he's not smart. He, he's, he's one of these people, and I know a couple of them, that win arguments just from – Keeping continuing talking, mm-hmm. not actually saying anything. But I think that is a skill. It's not. You're, a not, skill. you're not a complete moron if you can do this. No, but you. But you also just know going know going in that like half the people are going to support you no matter what you say because they okay. they also are anti Jew. Okay, <laughs> and they're like, I can just I can just keep doing this. But you. But you also and know that you plenty, don't have plenty to, of people, and that's the other thing for folks who are like, it doesn't matter. I can tweet whatever I want. Well, there there is an impact there. There are a lot of people who are defending him. Who are going at this reporter? Who are saying, "Hey, what's in the movie is true." I mean, hell, we've seen the effect of you know be- messages being beamed up on the side of the stadium at Florida, Georgia. The idiots, very dangerous on the four hundred five in L.A. unfurling a sign. There's an element out there that wants Kyrie Irving's, yeah, it's- to, to echo their message. Hey, you know what? I've been saying this forever. This, you know, this big name, you know, yeah. Kanye, big name, saying the same thing. All right, I got people with me. And on, the media, and on the media thing, and this, I don't really believe that Kyrie um, was mistaking who Nick Friedle is. Friedle, I, I, from listening to a little bit of Levitard either yesterday or today, Friedle pointed out that they got into it last year about the vaccine stuff, too. Yeah. Um, Amin Al-Hassan was on Levitard. He's a regular former basketball exec, and he's been in the media now with Levitard, formerly with ESPN. And he pointed out something that I know you deal with, that... Again, throwing a group or an occupation all under one blanket is incredibly dangerous and irresponsible. It goes back to our eternal conversation of they look at Skip Bayless and they look at a Nick Friedel. Like, Same thing. Like, no, this guy is covering the team. He's here every day. He's asking questions. He has sources. You see him at games. You see him on the road. You see him at practices and shoot arounds. Skip Bayless is in a studio in L.A. shooting, trying to get ratings. It's not the same. Correct. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's, but Kyrie knew what he was doing. He's a, he, he's not like, I don't know this guy, Nick Friedel. Come on. What are there, freaking eight people who cover the Nets on a regular basis, even in New York? He's around. He knows who he is. They have a history. Yeah, for sure. He was getting his jollies, going back and forth with him and dragging him to deep waters, and then getting to close it out by going, 
Next question, next question, next question, next question, next question, next question, next question. Okay. Look, athletes do know, and, and you can tell you can tell in the locker room with guys that are there like once every three weeks or something. There there was a couple of people in the locker room in New Orleans that I haven't seen around at a practice, at a game for a long time, and they were asking questions like, What the hell is that? And players play, the players would just not, not you. Who are you? Yeah, you can't. Who are you? I've never <laughs> even seen you before. Right. And and you could tell the difference in their answers to the to those people. That, so the players do know is, is my point on this. Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at six p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. The biggest difference between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott, Dak's more athletic and has a much bigger bank account. But there's not a wide difference, I don't believe, in talent. Prescott keeps it. He's got a blocker. He's got a touchdown. What a drive to start the day for Dak in Dallas. I know Dak gets paid like a star. He's not a star. Prescott, look at end zone for Lamb. He's got him. Yeah, so Dak looks pretty good, and he's not even back to form yet. Cowboys look good. We'll get into the discussion later. You know, after the Niners trade for Christian McCaffrey, looked awesome against the Rams. Rams look like crap. Packers look like crap. Bucks look like crap. Very elevated language on my part. Uh, where the Cowboys, you know, fall in the pecking order now, because with Dak back and some upside and and maybe a newfound approach on offense, although Jarrah says that's not going to happen. We'll get into all that in just a little bit. Uh, so Steve Nash fired. Or walked. I, who knows what happened. And now the issue is, who's going to coach them? It's going to be Jacques Vaughn for now. Um, let's get into the email Doko rumors later on. I think the issue at hand now, and I just said to you, who's going to want to coach them? I guess everyone's for that, you know, that climb up the mountain to try. They have talent. I don't think the surrounding cast is, is great anymore. They've lost a lot of their good players around Durant. And Kyrie and Ben Simmons is still coming around. Is Adam Silver going to do anything? He's still a lot of respect for this guy as a commissioner. And while we thought that Don David Sternio, mob leader slash NBA commissioner David Stern, overstepped his bounds often, what's going on here with Adam Silver? I mean, I don't know. When didn't Kobe get a gigantic fine for using the other F word, homophobic F word? So homosexuals, LGBTQ community is protected by the NBA, but if you're anti-Semitic, doesn't matter. Or or can Kyrie hide behind the the claim that ad? Well, all I did was retweet something. I didn't endorse yeah. it. Well, and I'm, it's I a mean, great gray area. It is, and I'm I'm kind of because I, I could be wrong, and then I'll be totally off on this. But Kobe's on the court, right? Like that's the NBA's realm. And unless Kyrie yells some anti-Semitic things on the floor. There's never been a fine by the NBA on a podcast. I thought there was no, one no, last year. No, I, I think, thought there was something. No, that, I, I'm saying they have, but I don't think they should. Like, okay. I, I think they should just be governing, just like the NFL. Like, right. I don't think the, we've said this with all the, all the off-field so podcasts things. and social media off limits. Don't worry about it. That's my belief. That's a team matter. If the team wants to do something about it and they can do it contractually, then they can hear and take care of it. To me, that's kind of how it should be. That's dangerous. It's, it's dangerous ground you're walking on because it's going to be amazing. The NFL would never be able to do it consistently. They can't even handle the stuff that's out front on the field. And they and they stuck their beacon stuff off the field and they've blown it's, it. It's also kind of why I don't think I don't think the NFL should be doing doing any discipline for things that are off the field. Yeah. I think they should 
they should they should be in charge and discipline what's on the field and what's off the field should be taken care of by the legal process and if it's not then that's not you you have shown that you are not capable of doing it so i would say don't but i mean the nba is it's in a weird spot i mean these are gross and awful things other people have said gross and awful things on their social media who's in charge of what is is able to be said or not like huh? the kobe thing was on the floor that's different. I mean, the owner came out and said the messages in the movie were disturbing, and Kyrie basically said, I'm not going to back off from it. But he, okay. didn't, he didn't endorse it, though. Why would he have to back off of it? <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> he, just said, he just put it out there. I mean, look, it's a, it's a very, very complex issue. And look, there's also – there are people that agree with him, which is the worst part. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just him. There's a lot of people, and there's a lot of mainstream voices now that are amplifying these same awful, disgusting sentiments. Yeah, that, you know, that is interesting that he told a reporter in the press conference that he wasn't promoting anything, but then in reacting to what the owner said about this movie, and the, again, the movie is Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up, Black America, uncovers the true identity of the children of Israel. Kyrie said, quote, I'm not going to stand down on anything I believe in. But he doesn't believe it. I'm only going to get stronger because I'm not alone. I have a whole army around me. <laughs> Is he just speaking in general? Or about his it's... retweet that meant nothing yeah. about this movie? I don't know. I was at the uh, World War II Museum the other day, so I, you know, I, I was seeing a lot of things that I said, "Wow, wow, this feels similar." Boy, how did that ever happen? Yeah. Could never happen now. Believe me, I uh, studying history in uh, in high school and college. I I thought that all the time. I'm like, yeah, we're good now. Nope. Thirty years later, uh, and Kyrie Irving said, "Did I do anything illegal? Did I hurt anybody? Did I harm anybody? Am I going out and saying that I hate one specific group of people?" You're right. In the retweet, you didn't say, you know, blank the whoever's. Did you? I mean, by the way, the Anti-Defamation League now, what is it? This last year, 2717 incidents of harassment, vandalism, violence, targeting Jews. Highest total since they started tracking this stuff since 1979. Good. Awesome. But, I mean, you would... No impact. Words don't matter. I was gonna. I was gonna make a comparison that wouldn't. I didn't tell him to do it. Yeah, it wouldn't be totally fair. But if you look, you did you. If you put information out there that make that poisons people's mind and makes them hate a certain group of people, and then they act against that person, you didn't harm them. No. But are you responsible for it in a way? I mean, I think it's fair to at least have that discussion. That I mean that that is what. You know, it galvanizes people to act in, in awful ways when they start hearing messages amplified like this from people that they think are smart or, you know, in some great position. That, that's what does this. So, like, are you, is it the same? Is actually hurting somebody the same as telling somebody else, hey, look how evil this person is, and then they go hurt them? Is it the same? No, but is it that much different? I don't think so. Important programming note to mention. A couple of notes. Uh, Marcus Arroyo Radio Show is back on ESPN Las Vegas tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. That's when it is uh, just about every week on Wednesdays 
I won't confuse you by telling you the following week because it's a Friday game. It'll be on Tuesday, but uh, mostly Wednesdays the rest of the way, 6 o'clock on ESPN Las Vegas. And the first edition, the debut of the 2022-23 Kevin Kruger radio show is coming up tomorrow as well. That'll be on Wednesdays on 9.20 a.m. Raider Nation Radio 9.20 is where the Kevin Kruger radio show will air live from 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock to 6, 5 o'clock to 6. So 5 o'clock, Kevin Kruger radio show on Lotus Broadcasting, the LV Sports Network, and uh, 6 o'clock on Wednesdays, the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. Get your fill of the uh, two big programs around the UNLV sports community. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. In the fall tournament finale at Miami's Hurricane Invitational, UNLV women's golf team finished a best for them this season, fourth place. The Las Vegas Raiders stood pat at the NFL trade deadline today with no deals made. Oh yeah, I love it. I mean, it's do or die, right? It's that scenario that you kind of dream of. I mean, as a kid, you always dream of winning in overtime and stuff like that, or scoring the shootout winner if you're a forward, right? So uh, adrenaline's definitely going there, and uh, yeah, you're just doing anything you can to keep puck out of the net. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Damn, the Knights have a dynamic duo in goal, Aiden Hill, Logan Thompson. It's been good so far. Eight and two start. The Cassidy, is it these guys stepping up to a Another level? Is it the defense in front of them? Is it an easy win coming up in seven minutes over on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 1340 and 98.9 FM? Knights at the Capitals. East Coast swing, minus 175. Let's do it. Yeah. Caps have struggled a bit. Uh, not off to a great start. but Injured as well. Yeah. I, I, I do think it's, all, it's also it's tough, especially that first East Coast trip of the year. Uh, they got a couple of games in Canada coming up as well. I think it's what five games, almost almost two weeks that they'll be on the road. Uh, it's it's tough, and I, you know when you go on these trips, you're looking to kind of break even in terms of you know getting as many points as our games. Uh, you know, go 500 on the road and, and win all your games at home is you know, what you're trying to do. Uh, I, it, the opportunity is there because they're playing really really well, and not all these teams are playing at that level. Uh, so just maintain what you're doing and, and keep playing at that rate. And you should be able to find some success. You should have the kind of trip that you want to have. Uh, but this would be, it would be a great start to go on the road, get the first one, get two points out of it, and uh, and move forward into the rest of the trip. Capitals are susceptible, as we said, injured and not playing well. Uh, Golden Knights are, you know, seeming to be kind of hitting the ground running with this system. They've learned it quickly. They've implemented it quickly. It has helped out the goaltenders, you know, greatly. Uh, to be, you know, playing this way in front of uh, Thompson and, and Hill and on occasion. So, yeah, I think what they're doing is is really good right now. And it's also kind of evidence of what we talked about all last year. Like, it was injuries. That was what the issue was. They didn't have their guys. And even when they did, they weren't able to play at a high level. Excuses. Um, <laughs> not, not excuses. <laughs> this is evidence that it wasn't. Yes. What's the system and how are they playing in front of the goalies? Well, it's a zone in front to essentially make sure that, hey, you might absorb a lot of shots, but they're not going to be good shots. And for the most part, you're going to be able to clear away rebounds is the the goal in this. Uh, one of the things that you know is complicated about it is that goalies are going to have to see through a lot of traffic because you're going to, going to have a lot of your own players in front of you uh, kind of blocking out some of the views. But uh, if you have enough space, you know, you should be able to kind of see through a lot of that and find the puck and stop it. And then the hope is that if you if you can just stop it, 
you're going to have guys in front of you that are able to then clear it out. And it kind of works that way together where the shots you see are from far away. As long as you can get a, an eye on the puck, you should be able to stop it. And then, you know, prevent any rebounds from happening. And so you might, again, you might have some shot numbers occasionally that, you know, go against you and work against you a little bit, but they won't necessarily be high danger chances. And I think you saw, especially, man, especially last game, I think it worked very, very well uh, against Winnipeg, even though, it, you know, it took overtime and it took a, a lot more of a sweat than maybe they thought it would, the way that they were out shooting them. Uh, none of the chances were great. If you look at a heat map, like everything was around the net for the Knights and everything was outside of it uh, for Winnipeg and Winnipeg eventually scored, but the Knights found the way to get those two points out of it. Uh, but that that's how it works. And you, you know, you take a lot of the strain off the goaltenders uh, by, you know, making sure that all these shots that they see are from far outside. Four o'clock hours on the way. We'll get you an update on what's going on with the World Series. They had to push it back yesterday with the cancellation because of bad weather. And we're getting more news in now on your Michigan Wolverines. Uh, at least two or three football players just lit up in violent fashion in the tunnel by Michigan State players. And I had uh, posted a video last night. It was a very grainy video on the UNLV All Access account. That's the podcast that we do with Learfield, and it looked like number four, Jacoby Winman, former Rebel, was in there throwing punches, and he is part of a group of another four Michigan State Spartans who have been suspended for their role in that fight today.